Okay, so up to the afternoon, hey, Amid Aleph, the top of the mission, the top of the Amid is a mission. The mission says, Anoidim Nadogan. If someone says he's not going to eat Dogan, now Dogan was, is technically translated. It's, it, it, it's, here's the thing the technical translation of Dogan is anything that's piled. Now they would pile grain. So Dogan is always used in the classic vernacular for the five the five grains. But technically, Dagon literally means anything piled. Conceptually, you could have other things included in Dagon. But says the Mishnah, if you say you're not going to eat Dagon, dried Egyptian beans. Although they're not the five grains, but they were also piled like the five grains. So um, Rav Meir felt that included in the word Dagon is any type of food that's piled. So included those beans. Chacham say no. Dagon means the five minim. While uh, Egyptian beans are piled, that's not uh, that's not what the word dagon uh, literally means. So the Gemara says. The Mishnah continues. Rameir says, I agree with you that if you were to say tvua, it would be the five grains. But if you say dagon, it means anything that's piled. You're allowed um, vegetables and fruits because vegetables and fruit were definitely not piled in granaries. But Machlekes of whether Dagon includes um, Egyptian beans as well. So the Gemara says, That means according to Rameir, Dagon means any food that's piled in a granary. Meaning Dagon does not mean the five grains, it means anything that's piled in a granary. Maser, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef the Pasuk tells us that in the times of King Chizkiah, uh, Chizkiah Melech, the Jewish people were not super careful. Can I ask a question? In the, in the Mishnah, what's the difference between that? Is there's a Tanakama, and then there's... Oh, it's Ramerik. It's different Ramerik. It's the same Ramerik. So, in the times of Chizkiah Melech, the Jewish people were not super careful with Trumas and Mises, so Chizkiah was pushing them to, to be careful with Trumas and Mises. So the Pasuk says, Ukfreitz hadover hirbu b'nei Yisrael, due to the decree of the king, the Klai Yisrael were very... Uh, were marabeh, the Pasuk says that the Jewish people were careful to uh, separate Meiser from Dagon. Notice the word Dagon. And Tvuas Asada. So you have the word Dagon and Tvuas Asada. The Amr Dagon called the Midgon Mashka. Now, if, if Rameir is right, that Dagon means anything that's piled in a granary, then what do you add by Tvuas Asada? Meaning, if the word Dagon only means the five grains, then Tfuas Asada is included, inclusive of other things. But if you're telling me Dagan means anything that's piled, then what's Tfuas Asada adding? So the Gemara answers very simply, Amar Baila, so you Paris Elam, Asada means anything that grows in the, in the field, so in fruits and vegetables. So Dagan can literally mean anything that's piled in a granary, but Tfuas Asada is inclusive of fruits and vegetables. Makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Okay, now... The Gemara goes right there. <coughs> By the way, I, I saw Tysus. Tysus has a kasha. Tysus has a... kasha is... Um, I, I, his answer, I'm not going to go into right now, but his kasha is that according to Rameir, Rameir acknowledges that the Pasuk uses the word dogan to mean grain. He's just saying that in the way people talk, it includes anything that's piled. So you bring a Pasuk negative, he, like he agrees that the... It's, it's always this tricky thing of like, do you go by the... The way the Torah d- defines it, Pashas, you go by the way people speak. So, like, bringing a Pasuk is a hard cash on him when he acknowledges that that's what the Pasuk is referring to. He's just saying that people include it to anything that's piled. So that's Taisa's cash, and Taisa talks about it. Okay. Am Rabbi Yechanan. Hakol Everyone agrees that if you say the word Tvua, it means the five grains. 
Okay. Tanya Miyachi, the Bryce is similarly states, Shabim and Oidim and Atfua, Shainasim Hamishasamin, and both Rameir and the Chacham agree that Tfua includes only the five grains. So the Gemara says, Pshita, yeah, that's what Tfua means. What else What else could Tfua mean? So the Gemara says, Maud, the same Tfua Komili Mashma, you might think that Tfua means anything that's. The Gemara says that you might think that the word Tfua includes anything that's profitable. Tvua can mean income or profit or gain. So maybe Tvua can mean anything. Tvua can mean, you know, if your source of income is from apples, maybe for you, apples are Tvua. I mean, you might think that Tvua is not grain. Tvua is anything profitable, and grain was profitable. Kamash Malan, no. Kamash Malan, loy mash mili. Tvua is the five grades. Masa Rav Yisrael. Wait a minute. We just said before that the word tfua sasada, right? It said that the Jewish people were careful with dagon, which is the five grains, and tfua sasada was including vegetables and fruit. I thought you said tfua means grain, but you said before tfua sasada means fruit and vegetables. So what's the deal? So the Gemara answers, Amrava, tfua lechud, tfua sasada lechud. The answer is tfua on its own means five grains. Tfua sasada means fruits and vegetables. Okay. Now that we mentioned that the word tfua we thought for a second can mean profit, the Gemara is now going to tell us a very long story, an interesting story, um, about the word tfua meaning profit and other words that could mean profit. I'm just going to go on a tangent. The Gemara says, Mar, Bar Mar Shmuel Pokid, the son of Mar Shmuel, had a will, and he wrote in the will, that they should give 13,000 zuz to Rava, min alalta dinar panya. Now, the money that he's going to get is from a city in Naharpanya. This Mar Bar Mar Shmuel had a, lot of, uh, had a lot of money in a lot of places, and he said that he should take 13,000 zuz from Naharpanya, but from the Alalta. Now, the word Alalta in Aramaic means, um, it means profit or gain. So he said, for my gains in Naharpanya. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean money? Does that mean a house? Does that mean a car? Like, what, what does it mean from my gains, from my profits in Naharpanya? So... So Rabbi asked Rav Yosef, "Alalta hechimakra? What, what does alalta mean? Meaning, where do I get the money from? All my money, where do I get it from? What's alalta?" So Amr Rav Yosef, Masisus Rav Yosef, answered the question by saying, "Alalta is clear in the Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say?" The word tvua we thought meant grain, like profit, not gr, like profit, and we said no, it means five grains. Alalta also means profit. So if tvua is a profit in the form of grain. So alalta is also profit in the form of gain of grain. So meaning you could collect the thirteen thousand zuz dafka from a granary. So Amrli Abaya Abaya said to him, Me dummy, how do you compare the two? Tfua le mashal chamishaminim. Alalta come mashal. Okay. Just because the word tfua means profit in the form of grain doesn't mean that there are other words of profit also mean grain, meaning tfua is profit in the form of grain. Alalta just means anything, any money. So you can take it from cash, you can take it from real estate. It doesn't have to be grain. So Ahadra Kameh de Rava, they brought back Rava's, uh, Abaya's response to Rava. Rava says, Amar, Rava says, I understand. Here's the thing. Rava asked a question saying, what does Alalta mean? So it sounded like he literally didn't know what it meant. So Rav Yosef said it meant grain. Rabbi said, no, it means anything that's profitable. Rava hears back the responses and Rava says, I know what the word Alalta means. Like, I'm not, I, like, I understand that. I'm not, like, I'm not, my question is, my question is, can I take it from a house and a ship? Here's, here's his point. His point is like this. The word alalta means something that's 100% profitable. 
Now, the only thing that's 100% profitable conceptually is real estate because it doesn't deteriorate, right? The land is the land, it's the, and it's just, it just has a value. Now, the only way you can lose money on real estate is if the market value goes down, but the actual thing itself doesn't deteriorate. His question was, he could definitely collect Al-Alta from real estate. The question is, can he take it from a houseboat? Because you see, the houseboat, it makes money because you, you could rent it out, but it does deteriorate over time. So is that called a 100% profitable item like real estate? Or, because you get rent like real estate, but on the other hand, it does deteriorate over time. But the deterioration is very subtle and it's very minimal. So the question is, renting out, if, if someone makes money from renting out a houseboat or renting out cars, can he collect the money from that? Is that called alalta? Mobile also. Yeah, mobile, and all these things. Uh, because, so it makes money like real estate, so, and, and the money that you'll make will far outweigh the deterioration, but it does deteriorate. So it's not exactly real estate which doesn't deteriorate. A land doesn't deteriorate, land is land. That was his question. So, Yosef hears this back and forth and he says, wait a minute, see, he's making me crazy. Rav sent the kasha to Rav Yosef, what is Alalta? So Rav Yosef thinks that he doesn't know what Alalta is, so he answers him. Now he realizes, not only does he know what Alalta is, he has his whole shikl about doesn't mean a houseboat. So Rav Yosef says, why is he bothering us if he already knows this much? He got upset. Rav Yosef got annoyed that, that, that he, he, he's like making me crazy. He, he makes it sound like he needs me for a shayla. He's already uh, way more advanced. So Rav Yosef got annoyed that he was bothered. Okay. What are we supposed to learn from Rav Yosef getting annoyed? Uh, maybe Rav Yosef felt that uh, a bacher at certain points should be on his own. He doesn't need uh, to ask his Rebbe every single little shayla. Uh-huh. I'll tell you after, after, after the daf, I'll tell you something interesting about that. It wasn't but, like Hillel. No, no, no. Maybe Rav Yosef, no, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure Rav Yosef. Was this a bad meter that he got upset? No, no, no. No, if it brings it down to the Gemara, it's not going to be bad. It just means that he was, it, the Gemara is going to say that. Rava apologized. Maybe also that, I think what, what bothered him is that Rava misguided the question to make it seem like he didn't know anything. He should have said, I understand what this is. What is that? As opposed to going over and saying like, you know, what are tefillin when you really want to know? You, you understand. So I think that, that he bothered him that, that he should have been more specific. So the Gemara says, Shama Rava, when Rava heard that his Rebbe of Yosef was upset, he came to him, Erev Yom Kippur, to ask for Mechila. Now while he's there, the following story took place. So while he's there in Erev Yom Kippur, So Rava gets to Rav Yosef's house, and he sees, Rav Yosef was blind, and he sees that Rav Yosef's attendant is mixing wine, right? They, they would dilute wine, three parts water, one part wine. And he's the diluting the wine for Rav Yosef to bring it in. So Rav says to him, I'm here anyway, can I, can I dilute the wine? Can I bring it to, to my Rebbe? So, so the Gabai, the Shamash says, sure. He dilutes the wine. Brings it into Rav Yosef. And again, Rav Yosef is blind. He doesn't know who's there. Kikashasi Amar, when Rav Yosef, who was blind, drank the, drank the wine, he says, This tastes like wine that Rav Yosef, that Rava would prepare. And he tells the Gabbai, the Shamish, wine tastes a little different. I guess that he had a different ratio or how he did it. It was a very, it was like Rava's, you know, secret sauce. So he said, this wine tastes like uh, something Rava, Rava would make. So Amar he knew. So Rav says, I'm, yeah, that's me. I'm the guy. So uh, I'm here. So Amar Rav Yosef says to him, Don't sit down, meaning don't leave, until you tell me the pshat in the following posik. The posik says, The posik is describing the Jewish people's travels. It says, we went from the Midbar to Matana, Matana to Nachliel, to Nachliel to Bamos. Now, Pashtus, these are all places. 
but he wanted to, Rav Yosef wanted to have like a gada to the Gemara, like an Agada to explain what do all these places symbolize in serving Hashem. So Amalei Rav said like this, Kivan Sha'isa, the, the, the Rabbi says this Pasuk is describing how a Jew can attain Torah. The first thing is, if you want to attain Torah, you have to be like a Midbar, which is, Kivan Sha'isa Adam Midbar The first thing is, you have to be like a Midbar. Now, the Gemara has different Pshatim throughout Shas of what a Midbar, the symbolism of a Midbar. One, the Gemara sometimes says that people step on a Midbar, that you have to be like humble. But now the Gemara says that Mufkar, open. Midbar doesn't belong to anybody. It's open to everybody. So you have to be able to teach everybody, not just teach people you want to teach. You have to be willing to teach anybody. If a Jew is willing to be open and teach anybody and interact with all Jews, Midbar, then Matana. Then Hashem will give you more Torah as a gift. Then Matana, Nachliel. If your Torah is given to you as a gift, then it's an inheritance, meaning then Hashem will send it down to your children and your grandchildren, that the Torah will be given over. So, then, and then you'll become a big leader, you'll become a big gadol. Bamos, bamos means lifted up. But, the Pasuk then continues, in the way Rav is interpreting, but if you let all of this greatness get to your head, and you become a balgaiva, which is unfortunately the, uh, an option for some people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem will lower you down than even before you started. Shenemar Ubi Bebais Hagai. From Bamos, they went to the valley. Veloi Oidel, Shashaykanais Bekarka. Not only are you going to be lowered, you're going to be lowered to the lower than you even started. You'll be in the ground. Shenemar Benishkefal Yepnei Hashimon, overlooking the surface of the wilderness. But but if you do tshuva from the gaiva, Agadish Baruch Hu Magri Hashem will lift you up again. Go to the next page. Shenemar Kol Gai Yinosei. Every valley shall be lifted up. So, this is the evolution of that uh, of, of the process of of learning Torah and teaching Torah. Okay, fine. The Gemara continues. Tanya Hanoi the Minadogon. The back to the Mishnah. If you if you say Nachni, answers the question about Correct. Hanoi the Minadogon. He didn't need him. Rav can figure it out. Hanoi the Minadogon. If you if you ask a dogon, you're you're prohibited to even have dried Egyptian beans. This is because Rav Meir Shita is that dogon includes anything that's stacked in a granary. but you're allowed to have um, fresh Egyptian grains of beans because those were not stacked. Umotebar is you're also allowed to eat rice because they would not put rice in a granary. targis and tisni. This we had. In some Masechta, these are different types of grits, split two ways, three ways, or four ways. I'm assuming the six parak of brachas, but that's that's just uh, from a guess. But um, so those were also once they were split, the grits were not kept in a granary, and therefore they're not included in the terminology of dogan. Okay, so the Gemara says that if you aser the fruit of the year, peres hashana. So aser bechol peres hashana, you're not allowed to eat anything that grew that year, but you're allowed to eat You're allowed to eat chickens, eggs, milk, lambs, goats. And you'll say, why would I think you're not allowed to? Because you might think that Paris Hashana means anything that developed this year. So baby chicks that were born this year maybe is called Paris Hashana because you might think that Paris Hashana doesn't just include fruit. It means any growth that developed this year. No, Kamashal and Paris Hashana means fruit. But if you say, I'm not going to benefit from anything that developed this year, then it's also about kulan. You're now allowed to have a, a milk because the milk was developed this year. It doesn't have to be gedule. Usually you think grown, but gedule just means developed. Oh, 
Hanoidim in Peris Aretz, the Brisa continues. If you say in Nether, you're not going to eat fruit of the earth, you're not allowed to have any fruits or vegetables. But you're allowed to have truffles and mushrooms, because truffles and mushrooms are not considered growing from the ground, right? They're the Baruch Shahako. But, but if you said, I won't have anything that grows from the ground, you see, mushrooms are not called peris ha'aretz because they're not technically vegetables, but they do grow on the ground. So if you said, if you said, I won't eat anything that grows from the ground, well, mushrooms do grow from the ground. Fine. Now here's the problem. The problem is, we're right now defining mushrooms as gedule karka. They grow from the ground. Here's the problem. Or many, we have a contradiction. The Gemara says in Brachis, al gedule aretz. Things that don't grow from the ground are shahakal, right? eggs, meat, or mushrooms. Vitanya, almelach, salt, zamis, salt water, kameyan, pitreis, truffles, mushrooms, or mishakoni bivare. So wait a minute. You're telling me that mushrooms are called gedule karka, but it says if it's not gedule min ha'aretz, it's shahakal. And tr- mushrooms are shahakal, which means mushrooms are both at the same time gedule karka, and they're not gedule mina aretz. How could you both be gedule karka? It grows from the ground, but it doesn't grow from the ground. So it's like, oh, it's included in the nether of growing from the ground, but it's not a hadama because it doesn't grow from the ground. So it's a fungus. So yeah. So w- w- fine. I agree with you. They c- it can grow on the walls. I agree, but then why is it included in the nether of gedule karka? Meaning, you're telling me it's gedule karka for nedarim, but for brachos, it's a shahakal. It doesn't make sense. So the Gemara answers, Amr Abaya, Mirva Rovu Me'ara, Me'nek Me'avir Me'ara. The answer is, they grow from the ground, but the nutrients they get is from the air. Therefore, in brachis wise because the nutrients it gets from the air, it's not considered a vegetable, and therefore it's shahakal. But for Nedarim, it technically does grow from the ground, majority times. Because it does grow from the ground, technically it does come out of the earth, therefore it's included in the nether of Gedulei Karka. So when the Mishnah, when the Brisa says that you make a shahakal on Ein Gedulei Min Haaretz, it's misleading, because it is Gedulei Min Haaretz, it's just not Yoinik from the Aretz, right? It's said that you make a shahakal on anything that's not Gedulei Min Haaretz, that doesn't grow from the ground. That's not true, it does grow from the ground, it just doesn't get nutrients from the ground. So the Gemara asks this question, wait a minute, so if you tell me it grows from the ground technically, it just doesn't get nutrients from the ground, so why don't you make Adamas? The answer is, you have to change the gears of the Gemara, that you make a shahakal on anything that doesn't get nutrients from the ground. And when it comes to the laws of brachis, the main thing is the nutrients. When it comes to nadarim, the main thing is where it grows. Okay. Uh, last little bit, I'll just run through it. Um, the, the Mishnah says like this, if you make a nether not to wear clothing. So, mutter besak ubiria ubhamila, you're allowed to wear sackcloth, a sheet, and chamila. These are all materials that were not normally worn. If you say, I swear I won't put wool on me, you could take wool shearings and cover yourself. Meaning, when you say you're not going to put wool on you, we assume you mean to wear it as clothing. If you just take a pile of wool shearings and put it on you while you sleep, that's fine. Similarly, if you said, flax won't come upon me, you can cover yourself with flax. And you can carry flax, because we assume you mean clothing. So when you say, I won't have it on me, we assume you mean clothing. Now, Rav Yehuda says, Rav Yehuda says, I'll explain it outside, then we'll see it inside. Rav Yehuda says, it all depends on the circumstance. Meaning, you have a guy who's schlepping a lot of wool, and he's sweating, 
and as the Mishnah is going to say, he smells. There's no reason for the smell part. That's just add to the picture. So he's schlepping wool, and he says, oh, I swear I will not have wool on me. In that case, it's clear his objection is not wool clothing. He's upset about the bundles. So for him, you can't put bundles on your shoulder, but you'd be allowed to wear. If he's wearing wool clothing and he's sweating and he says, I swear I won't have wool on me, then the issue is clothing. So when the first part of the Mishnah of Meirashit is just, it depends, always means clothing, or if you, this is, no, it depends on the kolofianian, it depends on the circumstance. If he's carrying a load of wool and he's swell, sweating and he's smelling and Omar, I swear I won't put wool and flax on me, he could wear it because it's clear from his circumstance that he's not assuring wearing it, he's assuring what he's doing now, which is schlepping. But also, he's not allowed to carry it as a bundle. Okay, let's start the Gemara. Tanya, if you swear you won't wear clothing, right? The Mishnah said you're allowed to wear sackcloth, a sheet, and chamila. These are materials that are not normally worn. But you're not allowed to wear the standard clothing, which was punda, piskaya, different types of belts, biskurtaya, bikatvalia, Different types of leather shirts, anpilia, polania, shoes, different types of leather shoes, umichlasai, and pants, and a hat. Those are the normal types of clothing. My isturkati, what is usturkati? That was one of the items that we listed. Amrabrachana kisuna ditsala, it's a leather shirt. Okay. Tanya. Now, when it comes to Shabbos, it's not necessarily the same as it comes to Nadar. When it comes to Nadar, um, when you make a nether, we you assume to asser only the normal type of clothing. If you take it's not normal to take a garbage a garbage bag and wear it, except there's one time where it's super normal, and that's on Travis when it's raining and you don't have a raincoat. People will put it on. So you see that so the mission is saying that when it comes to Nadar, and we go by the regular thing. You could, if you say you're not going to, I, I swear I won't wear clothing. You could wear a garbage bag because that's not normal clothing. On Shabbos, though, why are you allowed to do it? If it's not normal clothing, then it's considered carrying, right? If you, if I, if I take a chair and put it on my head, oh, it's a hat. No, it's not. That's not normal clothing. The answer is when it comes to Shabbos, we're more inclusive. Anything that's considered a garment material that is being worn to protect you from the elements is considered clothing for carrying. But when it comes to Nadar, we go by the standard clothing situation. So the Mishnah says. Meaning, when it comes to clothing, it's what's considered normally worn. A garbage bag is not normally worn, but by Shabbos you could wear a garbage bag outside of, without the Eruv because it's a material that's protecting you from the elements, which for the laws of Shabbos, that's the definition of clothing. When it comes to the Adarim, it's what's normally worn as clothing. So it's a little bit more inclusive for Shabbos than by the Adarim. Even when it comes to Shabbos, you can't take a, a season's box and put on your head and say, oh, this is my hat. No, it's not, because that's not a, a normal thing. Even when it comes to Shabbos, that's not considered taking a material and wearing it for... Uh, for uh, that happens to be... It's, it's, it, 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 when it comes to Shabbos, it's, it's very complicated about knowing... Um, I just know that when it comes to it was one of the biggest machleksim that started out. If you look in Igris Moshe Chelik Aleph, one of the few tshuvas that Mamish like created a little bit of a firestorm. Um, Moshe held that to to put like a rain, you know, like those plastic rain things on your hats. Yeah. Moshe felt that that was potentially a problem for carrying because he said it's not a it's not a normal material and it's not covering you. It's protecting your clothing, which is not considered clothing. Clothing in halacha is material clothing protecting the body from elements, not protecting other garments from elements. So, it, 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 you know, the, the Shabbos has its own sort of category. That's 
the main point of the Gemara, as opposed to Nadarim, which has its own category. The Nadarim is normal. Shabbos is uh, material that's protecting the body from elements, so or worn that, for fashion. So that ring gear that I wear would, would be awesome. No, because that covers up, that covers up, no, no, because the, over there it's covering up your body. Over there, it's just on your hat. It doesn't add warmth. It doesn't add protection to your body. It just protects the hat. Even that, by the way, if you look at Nigus Moshe, he, there's like seven places you can disagree with it. Whatever, it's a shy letter for now. Zatani, um, the Bryce says in Shabbos, You're allowed to go out on Shabbos without an Erev, to an Erev without an Erev, with sackcloth, sagus, which again is not clothing for Nadarim, but it's clothing for Shabbos. Ubi Uriah, Bechamila, Ashid, Nechamila, Negesham, because it protects you from rain. But you can't go out with a mat or a box. Or a basket on your head, because that's not considered clothing. That's considered a masi, that's considered uh, um, an added weight. Uh, but shepherds can go out with sackcloth because that is considered normal clothing for that people. By the way, you do see that when it comes to Shabbos, it, it's, it also goes by subcategories of people. That's our, the Archa Shulchan famously said that a soldier is allowed to go out with a gun. Because that's his clothing. That's part of his, uh, you know, his uh, his garments. The Gemara says, The truth is, once the shepherds go out with the sackcloth, sackcloth became normal clothing for other people as well. Um, now, the last part of the Mishnah was that when the first part of the, the Tanakhama, I think it was Rameir, said that if someone says, I swear I won't put flax on me, he means to Aser wearing, not Aser carrying. Rav Yehuda said it depends. So the Mishnah started to describe Rav Yudah's opinion. The Brisa just speaks it out fully. Rav Yudah says, It depends on the circumstance. Meaning, what's the case? Tanya. Kate said, I'm Rav Yudah. What's an example of Rav Yudah saying it's all circumstantial? If you're wearing wool, and you, the guy's clearly uncomfortable. It's hot, it's the summer, whatever it is. It's itchy. And he says, I swear, wool shall not be on me. So it's there, and over there it's clear that he means to Asa wearing it, but he could still carry it, because over there he's clearly discomforted by wearing it, and he clearly means to Asa wearing it. But but if he's carrying wool or flax, and he's sweating from the carrying, and he says, I swear it should not be on me, then it's and then it's the opposite. He's allowed to wear, but he can't schlep, because from that circumstance, it's very clear that his intention is to Asa what he's doing right now, which is to schlep and not to wear. I will stop here, pick it up tomorrow. Bezos Hashem. Uh, uh,